RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It's Tuesday. That means it's time once again for a meaningful chat with all of our Star Trek pals. This Mission Log Live, I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Tonight, it is the Thanksgiving Eve Eve edition of Mission Log Live, though really, shouldn't every day be Thanksgiving? Gather around our virtual table, as we do most weeks. Bring your thoughts, your ideas, and share them with us, and golly, we'd be grateful. There are a few ways you can do it. You can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can also call us. We'd like that. 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. Then you enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments. Then uh, the table is yours, uh, you know, for as long as you have the table. Joining us this week, John Cooley. He's a fan of Star Trek, like all of us, but he's also got a foot in the world of Trek products. You know, those really like super swank uniforms that you see at, oh, Star Trek Las Vegas or whatever convention you have to be at. Maybe a movie premiere when you're like walking in line, you're like, wow, where'd that guy get that? Chances are he got it from a Novos. And John Cooley has a thing or two to do with those. So you can ask him questions by joining our Zoom meeting, using the one tap from your smartphone or calling 646-558-8656. John, do we also want to encourage people to say, Oh, what they're thankful for as we enter the Thanksgiving season. I think that would be lovely. And they they can leave that in the chat or they can call it in however they like. Speaking of the chat right now, saying hi to our Star Trek pals. uh, There's Barry. He says the turkey dinners have turned into real turkeys. Oh, uh, I I referenced that earlier. See, right. It's like the only star, the only Thanksgiving episode of Star Trek. I'm pretty certain. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, You got Carlos saying hi. You have Donna, Mary Bauer. You have uh, Narda all the way from Australia. You've got Evan. You've got Aaron. You've got Casey. Hello, Casey. You've got Kim. You've got Paul. You've got Chuck, Josh, so many of our friends. Oh, look, there's David. There's Debbie. Hi to everybody. Really nice. And uh, let's see. Russ says, hi, Ken and John. Hey, where's Ray? I love that guy. Sorry, Russ. You just forfeited the rest of the show for yourself. Uh, Sorry. Sorry it works out that way. No, really good to see everybody there. Even Carlos says, the John Cooley. So people are excited about our guest tonight. Um, thank you to all of you, to everyone who is watching live on Facebook or YouTube. Thank you to the people who are catching the video later as well. Finally, thanks to all of you who are listening to the audio-only version of the show. It's not just about this show, though. Remember, the Roddenberry Podcast Network is a network of podcasts. Funny how Roddenberry Podcast Network is a network of podcasts. It's all available at podcast.roddenberry.com. You got your mission log. You got your mission log live. You got the Trek files. You have Women at Warp and Priority One. Collect them all at podcast.roddenberry.com. And finally, please, you know what's coming now. The appeal to validate our existence whenever, wherever you're watching or listening, head to the source, hit like, hit share, write a review, give us five stars. I don't have a song lyric tonight, Ken. I'm just going to say that Paul McCartney wrote that last part, okay? I was going to say, I believe it was Paul McCartney who said, give us five stars. He did. He did. He said, all you need is five stars. Five stars is all you need. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) He said that for like nine minutes. You did. Didn't he? It felt like it went on about that. Oh, nice. I like what you did there. Hey, let me let you know about some stuff that we've got coming up in uh, virtual reality, uh, which is, you know, weird, but cool. Uh, we're, we're, We're coming to the end of our trivia tournament. I missed last week's trivia tournament. I am looking forward to finding the video, though, and seeing how it went and who is going to be our third champion to step into the ring. Um, December 13th, that is Thursday, December 13th, we will have our final round of the trivia championship. Uh, oh gosh, there was the, the person who won the first round. There was the person who won the second <laughs> round. Then there was the person who won the third. Dave, actually Dave Takeshi won the first round. I know that everybody yeah. else is kind of a blur, but, um, yeah, there's going to be one winner to come out of that with prizes, uh, both in, in VR and also in real R. So mm-hmm. that'll be kind of an exciting thing to see. And we would love it if you guys joined us as well. And don't forget, you don't need the headset to actually take part. Um, I mean, to get the fully immersive thing, you do need the headset. But if you've got a computer running Windows all the way back to Windows 7, 
you can actually uh, come in and uh, and uh, you know watch what happens. We usually hang out for a few minutes afterwards, uh, just you know talking track, talking VR, just talking all kinds of stuff. So Thursday, the thirteenth of December, uh, seven PM Pacific, ten PM Eastern. Uh, please join us in Sansar on our virtual bridge for the final round of the uh, of the trivia tournament. Hey, Ken, you know why you don't know who won the last round? Because I wasn't there. Because you weren't there. You were traveling and stepping in uh, to co-host was Elijah from Priority One. We had a blast. It was his first time doing an event there with us. And uh, hopefully he will come back for more. Mad-Eye won that round. So we had Dave uh, Ascertain winning the first round. We had Akara winning the second round. Mad-Eye winning the third round. They will come back for our Tournament of Champions. And I uh, can't wait to see the, uh, the, the utter trivia bloodbath that will be on, uh, on December 13th. So uh, coming up on the live show, this very show, on December 4th, we will welcome Andrea Letamendi and Brian Ward. They are the hosts of the Arkham Sessions, which is uh, a psychoanalytical look at the world of Batman. But they're also Trek fans and Star Wars fans. Andrea was the one who hosted the psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars at Comic-Con. So join us for that. December 11th, we'll be talking about the December 6th short trek, The Brightest Star. Um, We'll be joined by the guys from Two Guys, One Trek on that episode. That'll be a lot of fun. Then, uh, let's see, on January 8th, we know that that's when the Harry Mudd short trek comes out, The Escape Artist. So, uh, I'm sorry, it comes out on January 3rd. We will be discussing it on January 8th. And, of course, a whole lot of live in between there as well. Then uh, January 17th, Disco is back. So the following Tuesday, we'll be back with season two of Mission Log Live. Hey, Ken, every week we have a poll question. That's yes, we do. Yeah, last I'm week s- he asked. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm just, I, I'm sorry. So that's how season two of, of Mission Log Live begins? Yeah, it does. Okay, it does. I didn't realize well, you recall, I don't know if you were there, but if you recall, we started Mission Log Live with right. the premiere of Discovery Season 1. Are we working on any kind of cliffhanger or anything? Is somebody going to be written off at the end of this season? I didn't even realize we were doing seasons. It's so weird yeah, to find yeah. this out in the middle of the show. I know, right? It's kind of, that, was, that, that was like the, the sudden shocking <laughs> twist. I just M. Night shyamalan you right here in front of everybody. Oh, you did. Yes, you did. What a twist. I did. I did. Hey, uh, all right. So last week's poll question, we asked you, could you love a computer? Because we saw some computer love on uh, Calypso, that short track. A full 59% of you said yes. I'm not surprised there. And then 41% of you said no. It was a very interesting discussion with uh, Dr. Ali Matu. Some uh, some heavy stuff. This week, this week we, uh, we make it a little bit lighter. Ken, what are we asking our listeners this week? Uh- this week's question, Trek's giving plans. The question is with Trek or without? Will it be courses of food, family, and Star Trek? Or will, be, or will you be giving Trek a holiday? Trek's giving plans with Trek or without? Uh, 72% of people say with Trek. 72% of people say with Trek. 28% say without. I actually kind of want to ask people when they call in about that. Because... Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, for me, well, you know, Wrath of Khan is my Christmas movie. So Christmas never happens without Star Trek, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Thanksgiving, I hadn't really, uh, hadn't really given it much thought, although you and I are recording the next mission log this weekend. So, I mean, over the Thanksgiving weekend, there will be track, but there was going to be because, you know, we have a job to do. I'd love to find out from people, you know, if they've made a conscious decision to add Trek into the mix or if they've made a conscious decision. No, you know what? It's just going to be it's going to be football and that parade. And I'm good. Anyway, that's the poll question. And of course, you can answer the poll question. Well, past Thanksgiving, you can answer it for a week. But uh, go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash mission log pod. You'll find the poll question there for the next week. Trek's giving plans with Trek without i kind of thought when i saw that poll question go up i thought for two seconds you know oh yeah i i I have things to do there are friends i'm going to see i probably won't have track but then i thought oh yeah like like you just said we have a job yeah and uh that job requires watching star trek so uh, (laughs) i I will i will indeed at some point on thanksgiving be watching star trek not that i won't enjoy it i i 
I've already watched it once, but this is a dense episode coming up. So there's, there's a lot to watch. There's a lot to think about. So yeah, so I'll be watching it again. For sure. And maybe we should all watch Charlie X for the 10 second mention of Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think it's a good call. All right. Well, let's move on to our special guest because uh, we know that he's just chomping at the bit. He is, as you mentioned, Ken, a Star Trek fan. Boy, is he a Star Trek fan. But he also works in that world. And he knows a thing or two about Trek collectibles, Trek costumes, all of the above. Let's welcome our friend and yours, John Cooley. Thanks, John. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, John. Uh, although I know you, you've been lurking. I, I know that you uh, you know a thing or two about Mission Log, as well as knowing a thing or two about Star Trek. Oh, yeah. I, I've been listening to you and Ken for years and years and years now, probably from your third episode on. And uh, so this is kind of uh, fun being on, I guess, this side of the mic for a change um, as opposed to just having to lurk and call in. So this is, this is a blast by the way, uh, Ken, uh, Charlie X on Thanksgiving day, mm-hmm. it's not just something that has to happen because it's the only mention of Thanksgiving. It's the only time we get the creator of the show in the franchise. That's true. He was the guy who called up from the, uh, from the, uh, from the galley and <laughs> said that the, 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 the fake turkeys are turning into real turkeys. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's great because it's a mention of Thanksgiving. It's even better because Gene gets to appear in his own creation. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly wish, you know, someday, John, you and I should try thinking ahead. Because it wouldn't have been a bad <laughs> idea to come up with like, I know, right? It's kind of crazy, but it wouldn't have been a bad idea to come up with like, okay, so, so you've got your yams, you've got your cranberries, you've got your turkeys. What are the perfect episodes to go along with your Thanksgiving? Ooh. Thanksgiving 2019, that will be the Mission Log Live for Thanksgiving 2019. I, I, I've had an, in my head that you, w- there should be special holiday themed episodes regularly uh, anyway of Mission Log. And, and just throwing it out there in January, how about a state of the franchise podcast? Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, annually, uh, since the franchise is growing and blossoming right now, I just yeah. feel like an annual status report of the franchise should be something we all look forward to. Why don't you just go ahead and write me hate mail now? <laughs> and we can skip that part. How would that be? Mail. All right, let me let me ask you a question, actually, because I didn't know. I, I don't know as much about your history as I might. I was surprised, actually, before the show, you were very kind, said you, you know, you're really excited to be on because you have been listening. You think back when you were still in the Air Force. Um, yeah. Talk to me about moving from. Well, first of all, talk to me about what you were doing there, if you want to or not. But then, but then, okay, we all know John Cooley because John Cooley has the really cool, uh, pardon the pun, has the really cool, you know, Anovos outfits, the Star Trek outfits, and that whole thing. That's, I mean, we see you at conventions. We know who you are from that. How did you get from I was working on airplanes to I'm making uh, I'm making costumes that everybody craves? Yeah, um, it it doesn't seem linear, does it? Um, it's, it's not, there's a hop, skip and a jump in there too. Um, so I'm an air force brat to begin with. I was born in the air force. Um, I, I met my wife in the air force. Uh, I, I joke continually and it's a little bit more, uh, I guess morose uh, towards the end, but the idea being that I was born in an air force hospital, I die, I'll die in an air force hospital and along the way. They issued me a wife. Um, somewhere I'm just a government asset and there's a stock number. I'm sure you probably order five of me from somewhere. Not that anybody wants more. Um, and then, uh, so I found myself just naturally in the air force, um, followed my dad in and, uh, enjoyed working on fighters for a number of years. Um, F-15s worked on for a couple of years, worked on C-5s and I, that was a weird detour and I understand why that's where I met my wife actually was uh, while I was stationed in Dover, Delaware. Um, from that, uh, I, I had a great Air Force career. I enjoyed it. Um, but I had an opportunity uh, to join Anovos. Uh, I had a number of friends that worked for the company. Uh, we all knew each other through various message boards and things like that, where people who are aficionados of props and costumes um, meet. It's not an asylum. It really is just, you know, other places in cyberspace. And um, 
and through that, uh, those associations, I met uh, my friend, my my boss, the guy who brought me into the company. His name is is uh, Joe Salcedo. He founded the company with another gentleman named Dana Gasser. And we sort of became this little enclave of people. They were around a couple of years before I showed up, obviously. Uh, I joined a little late, uh, already in progress. Uh, but it, it was this little enclave of people who we had seen for years, our whole lives, licensed products that didn't necessarily look the way they did on the screen, be it a TV screen or a movie screen. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to look like we stepped off the soundstage. And so that's how Novos came about. And that's how I ended up joining Novos. Uh, I, I met Joe um, and uh, got to talking. And Joe is probably one of the most scarily intelligent people I have ever met. And he just sort of cherry picked each one of us that joined the company from wherever we were in our lives and dropped us into Novos. And uh, it worked. Can I ask, because I know John is absolutely dying to get to the part where you recreate everything that is exactly the way it was when he was five. Yes. But, yes. but, but talk to me about, okay, so we've got you now from the Air Force to Anovos. Uh, where does Star Trek come in there? Like, where, um, where does your Star Trek fandom uh, lodge? Probably three. Okay. Um, earlier, two. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you couldn't miss it in the early 70s in syndication. If you missed Star Trek, it's because you were intentionally trying to avoid it. Right. Um, and uh, somehow we found each other. Uh, and uh, I've always, I've always loved it. I can't, I can't actually recall a time in my life where I didn't love Star Trek. Um, I was the kid running around with Mego action figures and uh, a little Remco phaser belt in the backyard with a green Don Moore shirt on. Yeah, there it is. As I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, running around in the backyard playing landing party. Um, and so Star Trek's just always sort of, it, I'd say that it runs in the background of my default program, but it's not even in the background. It's on the desktop. It's there all the time. Why Star Trek though? Because I will tell you, I could have been that kid except Star Wars happened when I was seven. And ah. Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars did not completely push Star Trek out, but I mean, certainly it did for the first three years from 77 to 80. I wasn't, I, Star Trek didn't exist or it didn't exist anymore. As far as I was concerned, I knew who Kirk was. I knew who Spock was, but I didn't really care about any of it because I also knew what stormtroopers were and who Darth Vader was. And it wasn't actually, it wasn't until Wrath of Khan, I guess in 82 that I really, that I that it started to resonate with me again, that I started to sort of like understand that I was missing something needed to go back and find out a bit more. How did Star Trek take hold with you in a way that, that other franchises, because I mean, once Star Wars happened, they're just throwing science fiction at kids for the rest of our lives. <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a good question. Uh, probably, um, probably because Star Trek hit me so hard so early that, and yeah, I, I love Star Wars. I, you know, there's, you can see the rest of my office, there's plenty of Star Wars there too, but Star Trek, if I run home to mama, it's to Star Trek and it's to TOS. You know, I, I enjoyed Star Wars. The first prop I ever made, I think was a lightsaber, but um, Star Trek stays with me because it informed more of my character. Even as a kid growing up, more of my personality uh, was derived from what I saw on the screen in Star Trek. I saw the relationships between Spock and McCoy and Kirk. And uh, that's kind of how I wanted to live. So yeah, there was a veneer of star Wars there, but if you strip all that away, there's, there's a Delta waiting underneath. <laughs> I swear, John, I'm going to let you ask the questions you want to about the costumes in just a no, moment. Man, I'm sorry, no, the uniforms, the uniforms. No. Actually, I got yelled at by Barry, who, who's got a head on him tonight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> really quickly, though, 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call 646-558-8656. Or you can click on the uh, the Zoom link or tap on the one tap thing from your smartphone and get in touch with us. I know it's possible because people do it. <laughs> so please find a way. Simplest would be six four six five five eight eight six five six. Mr. Champion, I promise I shut up right now. Please begin your geeky, you know, dress up. It's all good, Ray. Actually, I, I'm going to jump to a question from uh, one of our listeners. David says, so I only have one question for John Cooley. When are the first contact slash DS9 gray jackets coming back? Ooh, we just... 
I, we just did a wave of those. I thought, did you? Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, part of our model, I mean, cause it's insane to sit on everything at once. Like if we were to offer the entire uh, 52 years of Star Trek's costumes and uniforms at once and keep it on a shelf somewhere, that'd be rad, but it would also be problematic because there's a lot. 52 years of Star Trek history, there's a lot to do and a lot to see. Um, so we do things in waves, you know, and if something disappears now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't reappear again. Uh, things like our uh, green wraparound tunics, you know, uh, from uh, TOS's first two years, those come around, you know, every year or so there's a wave of those. Um, it's the same for first contact jackets. Uh, we usually do those in batches. So... Uh, if you just missed one, click the interested button on our website right next to the item and you'll be notified by email as soon as we get Jen uh, up to do another run of those. Awesome. All right. So let's talk nerdy stuff. And this is sure. going to be in two phases here because I, I want to talk about Anovos, of course. Very curious about all the detail that goes into that. We're also going to talk about your your passion. You already mentioned before the, the Remco toys, uh, your Don Moore shirt. I had all this stuff, too. Uh, now, I didn't have the TOS Don Moore stuff. I had the motion picture Don Moore stuff. We, we are definitely going to talk about that. Uh, but oh, like before, motion picture Don Moore stuff? Like yeah, oh, you're just, oh, yeah. Seething you now, sorry. Seethe with jealousy <laughs> right here in front of everybody. All right, look, skip the Inova stuff. We're going straight for the 70s. All right, here we go. So 1979, I remember seeing that movie when it came out. I remember having the, the TMP Happy Meal from McDonald's and being very yeah. excited about that. I know Ken had those too. But then uh, cut to early 1980, I want to say spring of 1980. I want to say in Sears, uh, we picked up, we, my, my mom for me, uh, I had the long sleeve blue uh, uniform shirt and I had the short sleeve white one. You can go ahead and hold that up again and, and watch. <laughs> Jealous. Go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That. There we go. There we go. That thing is amazing looking. I love this thing. You know, yeah, there we go. If we cut. The, the frustration is that I can't fit in it now. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> some altering maybe, maybe. Well, Are you know, so- it, it, there's always the point where it's like, if only I knew of a company that could make something like that. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So wait a minute. The cat is out of the bag. T- tell us uh, next year, 2019 is the 40th anniversary is it motion picture? Yeah, surprisingly, surprisingly, it is. So, um, might Anovos be <laughs> developing something to celebrate that auspicious occasion? Uh, that auspicious occasion, yeah, it is an auspicious occasion. Um, yeah. and it kind of goes back to the my DNA as a Trekkie too. You know, Ken, you're asking how I got where 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 I am now, and a lot of it has to do with an obsession with. Star Trek, the motion picture and the little Delta insignia, not this, this is obviously Rathacon, but the, yeah, the, the yeah. first time we ever saw Admiral Kirk wearing that symbol, I, I had to have it. And I begged my dad for one. They were selling them out in the lobby of the theater. Um, and so it's, it's just that desire to, to capture a moment or capture that particular moment and, and live it again. Uh, John, to answer your question, uh, 40th anniversary of TMP. Yeah. I've, I've thought of it. that's all i get we all have we we all have uh you know the the motion picture for me has always signaled that's the moment the franchise breathed again you know we had the animated series and i love the animated series but seeing kirk and spock and mccoy in in their human forms walking around the bridge of the enterprise again that for me was the thing you know they're back it's back yeah um so as maligned as it can be occasionally i want to wear a uniform I want to wear a, a, a tunic from the motion picture. I'll tell you what I want. I, I'm not giving anything away that maybe we're looking at doing, but I'll tell you what, you know, all things being equal, if I could wear one thing from the motion picture, it'd be Admiral Kirk's gray and whites. Yeah. And because somebody will answer in the talkbacks, green and whites. Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, okay. whether you realize it or not, the, the sides of that uniform are actually sort of a, a mossy green, kind of like an army blanket. Right, right. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, the motion picture is v- relevant. I mean, it, it, we're going to see so many companies, so many of our friends and colleagues are looking towards the motion picture next year. So hopefully we'll see a nice celebration of it. 
Cool. I, look, late seventies pajama look is coming back. Right? <laughs> That's just right there. And and Ken, this one's for you. Belt buckles, no belts. Hey, See, I was going to ask about that. I was going to ask if if what, whatever the, scan? the what the purse scan buckle. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever. Technology, it's technology, dude. Got to have yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's supposed you, to, it's supposed to give a reading to anybody of what your particular biorhythms. Biorhythms. There's a '70s term. What yeah. Biorhythms are at the moment. It's a mood belt, man. That's what it <laughs> yeah. is. It yeah. should absolutely flash with your sign every time you walk up to somebody. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. How do you? Have, obviously, so next year is the 40th anniversary of of TMP, as John pointed out. So obviously, you're going to be thinking about TMP stuff going into the 40th. I mean, a big a big date like that, you will. Otherwise, how do you go about deciding what kinds of things you're going to concentrate on? I mean, is it you sitting there going, you know what I really want to wear? As you just said a moment ago, well, yeah, there's one way to do it. I'll just make my own. I mean, how do, how do you guys, how do you decide, you know, what the next direction you're going to go is? Well, luckily I don't, uh, I can offer suggestions. You know, everybody has a boss. I have bosses. Um, one of my, uh, one of my good friends who, uh, is our brand manager for our Star Trek brand. Uh, his name is Joe, a different Joe. And, uh, he's, he's just as big of a Trekkie as the rest of us are. And so we can present ideas and we sort of hammer them out and come to a consensus. You know, what do we want to see versus what are the, what does the public want to see? You know, we, you know, we're not just making these things despite things that I may have said in the past. We don't just make these things solely to please ourselves. You know, there's a greater group, a uh, body of Trekkies out there in the world that have wants and desires too. You know, everybody has their favorite thing. And in over 700 hours of the franchise, everybody has a different opinion of what their favorite thing is. Um, But I mean, you can be making everybody's favorite thing. Like I would love Zephram Cochran's hat from first contact. It's goofy, right? I don't know how many of those you're going to sell though. The monster maroon, a lot of people want to be an admiral or a lot of people want sure. to be a captain. A lot of people want to be that. And so you look at something like the monster Maroon, and you're like, okay, yeah, well, we're going to sell more than five of those. I don't know how many of Zephram Cochran's outfit from uh, first contact you would sell. And and that's where you have to make the, the hard call. It's like, what's, what's, what's a Holy grail for somebody. What's mm-hmm. Holy grail for, for, for us really. And you've got to split the difference. Like, is there something that I really want that I'm never going to see? I mean, you get that right at the motion picture. The motion picture is a great example. Uh, blue and gray footy pajamas are not everybody's cup of tea. Um, I get that. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> There would be, I'm sure a lot of people that are like, why would you do that? Why, why is that an interesting thing? Sell me on it. Um, so yeah, no, there's always something, um, you, you know, you were talking about Zephram Cochran's hat, you know, I'm a baseball fan and I know there's a lot of people out there in, in fandoms, not just Star Trek, but a lot of fandoms that might look at sports and say, why that, you know, why sports, why should I be interested? And yet Star Trek gave us a, an episode of baseball. Nice. Well, the cool thing about that too, I had a, I went to a, went to a smaller uh, comic con several years ago with a friend of mine uh, in Buffalo, New York, actually went to the Buffalo um, comic con and we both had, or I can't remember which one he had. I had, I think I was wearing um, one of my Star Trek hoodies, one of my TNG hoodies and he had his Boba Fett hoodie and he left his Boba Fett hoodie in the car after we left because he felt weird, but then we went into a bar that was Bill's jerseys wall to wall. Right. And, and, you know, I was like, wow, what position of the, for the bills do you think she plays, you know? And and the thing is he sort of walked out, he sort of walked in like, he doesn't like to wear anything that's too incredibly geeky. That said, I mean, the baseball hat's a fantastic idea because you can wear your geek, but sort of do it, you know, eh, maybe a little bit stealthily. Everybody person to ask about stealthy. (laughs) <laughs> um and, and let me tell you why okay so you hit upon something really interesting there you said that he didn't want to walk into this bar that was mainly you know perhaps sportswear yeah jerseys baseball jerseys football jerseys that sort of thing and yet he didn't want to be seen in his boba fett hoodie which frankly a boba fett hoodie that's gonna get lots of people's attention that's stylish why not okay but the guy over there wearing an oregon ducks jersey that's football cosplay 
that right. guy has never stepped foot. Not you know, all things being equal, nine times out of ten, that guy has never stepped foot on a football field before. And yet, why is it more socially acceptable for him to wear an Oregon Ducks jersey than it is for me to rock this ensemble? Right. This was this was the question that I brought up to him. He did not go back to his car and get his uh, get his Boba Fett uh, hoodie, by the way, which sort of made me sad. I kind of wanted him to. I wanted to be like a John Hughes moment where you're like, yeah, I can't. Say again. Oh, yeah. 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 Although, I mean, in fairness, I mean, one of the really cool things about see, there's almost like a Star Trek bounding thing going on with the uh, with the hoodies, you know, because if you know what they are, then you're like, oh, that's cool. And if you don't know what they are, you're like, hey, look, another guy in a hoodie. Go figure. Uh, John Cooley is our guest this evening. And we would love it if you called in uh, with questions, with comments. Heck, tell him which hat he's never going to make you wish you would make. (laughs) 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. Or you can zoom in with the thing and do the thing with your smartphone and the way hey and the way hey and the way hey uh mr champion we have a bit of business that we need to do before we get back to mr cooley don't oh, we? we sure do we're going to talk about some uh, some beautiful uh, little starships the ones from the eagle moss discovery starships collection roll that beautiful starship footage if you would please wow it's like you're selling uh, bush's baked beans but different uh, yeah eagle moss wants you to get a discovery of your very own as well as you know a bunch of other ships because that's the kind of thing they do also the ships are awesome i know you people listening on audio can't see what's on the screen right now nor can you see what's behind me so let me look at them Oh, yeah, they're still awesome. Okay, good. Uh, All part of the Eagle Moss Discovery Starships collection we're talking about today. Yeah, I'm holding one right here, but you can't see it. On the Federation (laughs) side, you've got ships like the Shenzhou and the Discovery, the Corella, the Europa. I think those are really cool, the design on those. Uh, Have a look at them on screen here in the video. Then on the Klingon side, you've got that newly imagined bird of prey. You've got the Koch-class destroyer. Got so much more coming. Have that Vulcan shuttle as well. Now, what we'd love for you to do is go to EagleMoss.com slash Discovery Starships. When you do, what you'll see are the renderings that serve as the basis for the die-cast models themselves, painstakingly reproduced, as always, under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. These are officially authorized by CBS Studios, roughly 6 to 10 inches from about astern, hand-painted, rich in detail. Each comes with the awesome magazine full of real-world and in-universe information, and each comes with a display stand suitable for displaying your ship. Hey, uh, interestingly enough, Chris in the chat says, just got my Eagle Moss Europa and Shenzhou dedication plaques today. Great stuff. Yes, they are, Chris. Yes, they are. Subscribers will get their first ship, the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227, for only $9.95 with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC-1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber price of only $44.95 each. That is 20% off the standard retail price also with free shipping you know what uh you know what thanksgiving leads to don't you john oh sure a trip to fan hangover but mm-hmm. yeah also christmas also gift giving holidays people who want to pick and choose their ships or if you want to pick and choose a ship for somebody else you can do that by going to shop.eaglemoss.com or you can check your local comic book shop uh, you're going to pay about 10 bucks more there But saving money is not the only reason to subscribe. Subscribers also get free gifts worth over a hundred bucks. Oh, like that, uh, like that uh, dedication plug you were just talking about a moment ago, John. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that would be part of that. Yeah. And uh, of course you can cancel your subscription at any time. All right. So if you want to subscribe, you'll go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships to buy individually. You'll go to shop.eaglemoss.com. And as always, a huge thanks to Eagle Moss. For sponsoring this week's show. 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. Or you can uh, use the... Um, why can't I ever say it right, man? Click on the Zoom thing. Go to, our, go to, go to missionlogpodcast.com. That's wrong. I mean, you can go there. We'd love it if you did. <laughs> go to facebook.com slash missionlogpod and then click on the Zoom thing and, uh, and, and be on with me and with John. And with John. Nice. Hey, John, I want to go back to, uh, oh, you know, let's talk about Star Trek in the 70s. 
All right. Yeah. So you brought out those Don Moore. Uh, you brought out the Don Moore shirt <laughs> from uh, the motion picture. Of course, the motion picture really, it, it was exciting to see Star Trek try to merchandise the way that Star Wars had done just a couple of years before. So mm-hmm. you had things like this line of shirts, but those, those come a few years after the original line of Don Moore costume shirts. I, give us the, the nutshell version of that. Cause I know that you, we're so excited about Anovos <laughs> recreating those. This kind of leads into my question about the, the Anovos process. Sure. Because it's kind of a mystery to me, but, but if you could show uh, me and our viewers <laughs> your reproduction adult size Anovos Don oh, Moore shirt. What, the, the thing that most people refer to as my security blanket? Yes, yeah. So it is. You're holding the command green. <laughs> forest green shirt uh but but this is a a recreation of what don moore did 75 76 mm-hmm. so post animated series but in the heyday of star trek syndication and and this sort of first th- this baby boom of star trek merchandising that's when all the remco stuff was out that's when the Mego figures were out uh predating the star wars merchandise boom How did those shirts come to be and why did you guys create an adult version of them? Um, Great questions. Um, It's probably my favorite Star Trek product of all time Um, because what does a uniform do? What what does this do if you're you're a kid in the 70s? It allows you to feel like you're part of the crew. You can look down at your chest and see the insignia staring back at you. You can feel the black ribbed collar at your throat. You know, it, it's that it's that wish fulfillment of I'm part of the crew. I, and if I've got my Remco phaser and a couple of other buddies that want to do it, we can go outside and we can have a landing party. And, you know, that that is just that ability to intersect the franchise at that level where you're part of it. I imagine it's what the VR experience is for people now. This is the first VR being able to put on a costume and walk around in your head in aboard the enterprise is the original VR. <laughs> There's something really meta about what you're talking about though, because now I'm not sure if you're making, if you're recreating a t-shirt for a child in adult sizes, are these people who want to be Star Trek or are these people who want to be kids being Star Trek? And, and casting no aspersions about any of it. I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out which layer of the onion we've gotten to at that point. Both. Um, uh, okay. So I can cosplay as Captain Kirk. I can cosplay as myself in 1975 um, with anything I've got in my closet. Yeah. See, that's the crazy thing about it is that, okay. I have had people show up at convention to purchase that shirt while their child with them is wearing the original that they owned in, in, in the seventies. Wow. Sure. That's amazing. Yeah, that is actually, that, that is pretty cool. That shows you the sort of heart and, and depth that the franchise is capable of that. It's not just generational. It's not just generational passed down to the, to the kid. It's, it's alive and well and breathing in that person in that moment. It, it blows my mind and I've seen it time and again. Um, you know, these things are, are, uh, part of the memories that these Trekkies have had growing up. It's part of how they integrated with the franchise when they were young. And it's a way of, of re, re reaffirming that really. Uh, speaking, lives. speaking of cosplay, by the way, let, let us not gloss over the fact that you pulled off one of my favorite cosplay of all time. <laughs> Which was you showed up? Uh, to, I think it was 2016. Uh, uh, yeah, 2015, 2016, 2015, 2015. Okay, uh, as Gene, right? Yeah, as Gene Roddenberry yeah. holding <laughs> his pilot script for the cage, and it was uh, like, here's the thing: sure, anybody could slap on a vintage gray suit and uh, some vintage-looking sunglasses and carry around a copy of the script, but it took about. 0.02 seconds to look at you and just go, holy crap, that's Gene Roddenberry. Right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was just dead on perfect. Uh, I have to give credit to that 
for that idea. Uh, I can't take credit for it. That came from uh, the other half of my brain, my design partner, and really my best friend, uh, Steve Franchek, who was looking at me one day and said, you know, you, you could pull off a halfway decent gene. You just have to shave. Which was an enormous commitment for me because my beard is the, my little beard. My little goatee here is the only thing that gives me the illusion of a chin. <laughs> um, so I really had to think long and hard about it. And then uh, sometime after he had mentioned that I ran across a pair of Florsheim loafers and I realized this is exactly what Gene would be wearing at this point. Uh, 64, 65 creating the show. And I just went for it. People, people uh, listening to this, by the way, I was the one who took the pictures of you and Rod and Zale. Actually, I do not have my phone with me right now because I was going to hold them up for the camera. But check out the um, check out, I guess, our our Facebook page either later tonight or tomorrow. And uh, and yeah, you can see uh, what he pulled off there. I actually I was at Disneyland earlier this year and uh, and somebody had also done like a young Walt they were sort of like, you know, uh, cosplay slash Disney bounding as a young Walt. And it reminded me immediately of what you had done there as well. Cause it's another one of those things kind of like I was saying about the, uh, about the hoodie, you know, that you're kind of like, you know, cosplaying on the down low. They, like if you don't know who you are, you're just like, Hey, look at the guy in the glasses. That's odd. But if you know who that is and you're like, wow, that is so who that is. I, I made a point that day to even have a Ticonderoga number two pencil in my, uh, in the suit pocket. Uh, Cause I just remembered what those photographs of him uh, that day on the set. Wow. Uh, look like, you know, I was, that was a little nerve wracking by the way. That's the first time I had ever met Rod. And I really felt like that could go either way. Um, cause how do you meet someone for the first time while cosplaying their father? Yeah, so, that, that, that could be a little weird, but then of course he brought, uh, he brought his son over to have a picture with three, which was, uh, yeah, it was a neat moment. It was, it was neat. Fun. Thing to see, actually. Hey, uh, by the way, Jonathan in the chat mentions that there is a, uh, a Facebook group dedicated to discussing Star Trek and Ovos products uh, on Facebook and Ovos fans. I uh, actually can't see the, the rest of it, but you guys can search for it. And uh, as people just there talking about the, uh, the product line from Novos about Star Trek. And by the way, we have a video caller waiting. You know him. I know him. We all know him. It's Aaron. Aaron, are you there, sir? I am. Hello. Hey, Aaron. Hey. How's it going? Uh, yeah, no, I wanted to call in for sort of like the Trexgiving sort of thing that I think thankful for my Star Trek family. But uh, John and I actually have known each other since college. We, Whoa. yeah, we discovered by accident that we had been in a class together, completely forgotten about it, uh, archaeology in uh, Washington State. And it's like, hey, you remember that guy who always wore the Indiana Jones fedora? <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, how do you know that? Like that was me. <laughs> so there's this uh, really cool sort of uh, Star Trek connection there. But uh, but yeah, no, the Star Trek for me has been huge for Thanksgiving, and this year Thanksgiving is really special for me because it's my five year heart transplant anniversary on Thanksgiving. So wow, wow. But pretty much everybody in the Trek community has sort of kept me sane while all that was happening. I actually had Neville Page messaging me in the hospital because we knew each other from Tron. Um, so that was kind of fun to to get that, uh, that kind of Star Trek, you know, sci-fi brain when all I was doing was just having hospital stuff happening. So that was, you know, in a, in a similar vein, though, Aaron kept me sane, uh, about going back about a year and a half ago. Uh, I, I, not to, to give too much information, but this guy's a saint. Uh, okay. So about a year and a half ago, I had pneumonia. It was awful and it was keeping me up at night. And it was at that time that I discovered the, uh, heroes and icons syndicated package for Star Trek. Now I have half a dozen ways that I can watch Star Trek episodes, but in the middle of the night when, you know, you can't sleep and the rest of the house is asleep and the, the icons package is airing every episode of Star Trek, I would watch that and Aaron and I would message each other back and forth. And uh, I, I credit Aaron with keeping me at least human enough to not, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, jump off a cliff or something because we had a lot of good Star Trek conversations during that I time. I think that's uh, where that uh, badge thing probably started too, the insane yeah, probably. conversation. <laughs> so uh, you definitely need each other to keep you sane for that yes you know? yeah 
Yeah. And by the way, Aaron, if I can just point out one of the things that I'm sure you're thankful for this Thanksgiving is that uh, your home is triple free uh, because I see the glomer sitting yes. on the sofa. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been really nice there. There's ants, but, but no, no triples. Good. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get an anteater to go along with the glomer and you're all set. Yeah. That'd be great. Nice. Excellent. So. All right. Well, uh, very glad to have you, Aaron. Uh, yes. Any other questions or comments tonight? Or, uh, oh, or well, I'm definitely looking forward to. No, I'm looking forward to all of the TMP stuff. That's you know, like like I said in the the chat room, uh, the best uniform in Star- of all time in Star Trek is the motion picture admiral's uniform. That's it. You know, it's it's not only one of my favorites. I think as as many people like to make fun of the motion picture, it's got to be at least somebody else's favorite because it shows up in two different iterations in both Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Into Darkness. So uh, if they're copying it, uh, you know, nearly 40 years on at that point, somebody else must like it out there. Well, it, it just visually from if you took out all of the movies past TMP before uh, Next Generation, there's a nice logical design progression from TMP into TNG somewhere between suddenly it turns into like submarine warfare, which like visually it makes no sense. So, you know, I, I still think that I love watching the motion picture. He has that gigantic screen in his quarters that vanishes in the next iteration. He's replaced with like a flat or I mean a regular, you know, 1980s rounded display. So it's none of it makes sense. It's just like, I feel like they put in so much effort into the thought of the visual aspect of the motion picture and then just went and went like, eh, I mean, yeah, story is important. It, if you could combine those two movies together, it probably would have been better. But uh, yeah, just, I'm in love with the design style of that movie. Well, and look, I'd even say, Aaron, that uh, clearly they, they liked that uniform enough. It was iconic enough to bring it back in the J.J. Abrams yeah. track. But even in Discovery, I like that they inject some of that design language by having the, the panels on yeah. the uniforms and then those beautiful white medical uniforms that immediately made me think of motion picture. Yeah. So it's a sort of like. To me, that says, okay, these designs exist in this Star Trek universe. They take on different forms for different crews, different needs, uh, but they're out there. So it it makes the motion picture not feel like such a weird one-off. Yeah, like it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, couldn't you argue, though, that the motion picture design came at the heels of disco, which was, I mean, on the, I mean, it was uh, 79 feels very much. I mean, TMP feels very much like the 70s and 82 oh, yeah. is very much not the 70s anymore in so many different <laughs> ways. The other thing that I find myself wondering, and I've never talked to anybody about the design uh, possibilities of this, but. When we talk about Deep Space Nine, when we talk about uh, Discovery, the kind of things that we hear from people is, ah, yes, people I understand, things I understand. Do smaller screens and not quite submarine warfare, but do things that aren't necessarily quite as spacey, if you will, uh, sort of add to the add to our ability to sort of get it, add to our ability to see ourselves in it in the way that, I mean, that Star Wars kind of did because it was so freaking dirty. I mean, he's got an old car under a tarp in the garage in Star Trek and Star Wars, right? So much stuff had been so far future. Do you think maybe this is a weird question to ask now, but could some of the design choices in Star Trek two sort of be bringing it back to a thing that the average John and Jane could maybe understand a bit? Uh, First of all, Ken, uh, in 1979, I may have only been seven years old, but I could picture myself at Studio 54, (laughs) so I could picture myself... On that nine-year-old white enterprise uh, wearing disco pajamas. All right. Yeah. But you were a child. That's what I'm saying. You were a child. And oddly enough, you weren't paying nearly as much for movie tickets as your mom and dad. And it hasn't changed at all in 40 years. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they had the no smoking sign on the bridge. So I mean, that, that might've been a little bit too far over. But but again, I get JJ's impulse. Uh, not JJ, sorry. Uh, <laughs> forgive me. I get the impulse for uh, the no smoking sign on the bridge because what Star Trek II was all about and what the reason for the Napoleonic uniforms, right? Mm-hmm. What Nick was trying to get it back to was something relatable. And relatable for him was Hornblower. Relatable for him was real world stuff like a no smoking sign. Right. 
relatable and real world is what part of what drives me in Star Trek. Um, you know, John, you were talking about early 70s Trek. And one of the things that I love and kind of miss about modern Trek, you don't see it as much as you did back then, is this idea of immersion where Star Trek is real world. And there's a real universe out there. And these things uh, are tangible. You know, uh, Franz Joseph's technical manual. Yeah, right. Um, I love that things can be made to feel in universe and that when we can get these things, we intersect that universe. You know, when we did the 50th anniversary velours, um, each velour uniform came with a letter Mm -hmm. welcoming you to the enterprise, you know, and everything for me is, is about how can I, how can I make this feel real? Because uh, that's my favorite way to play with the franchise. You know, and there are some people starting to play around with that. Like, again, with the Valors, we, we did this. There's more of that that I'd like to do. Uh, you have people like Dayton Ward uh, writing travel guides, you know, uh, that are taking us on a tour around the Federation. Uh, he's got a, another book uh, coming out soon that's Kirk Fu. And I know that that, that is a, it's almost an instruction manual for how to defend yourself using Jim Kirk's really unique style of fighting. <laughs> you know, but it's written from the perspective that this is a Starfleet instructional manual teaching you the techniques of Kirk Fu. Um, you know, uh, does he have a chapter on how to talk a computer to death? Because I was going to say we should get in touch with him and make sure he's yeah. doing a chapter on word jujitsu. Kirk Fu, how does he not? Mm-hmm. Yes, but, I mean that's something that is happening uh, slowly, not as fast as I'd like to see. I'd like to see some in-universe stuff for Discovery. But, um, you know, uh, one of my friends who used to work for Novos now works for uh, Silver Screen Bottling. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with this stuff. We might have a passing familiarity <laughs> with it from Comic-Con. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, uh, my familiarity with it comes from like STLV and stuff like that. Yeah. Ooh. But really, <laughs> you know, there's a backstory to all these products. And, uh, you know, I know a few people that have heard the story and not many people have. And it's unfortunate because the backstory is rad, which is that these things are, you know, great example. Somebody asked why Jim Kirk and why whiskey, you know, uh, shouldn't he be sorry and brandy or something like that. And the fact is that the backstory tells us that these products are, are bottled for use aboard the officers clubs on Federation starships in the 24th century. They're named things like James T. Kirk bourbon whiskey because they are honoring past Starfleet officers. Right. So and that's why you have the, the modern Trek logo on there or modern typography, but with the Jim Kirk signature. Precisely. Yeah. Because this yeah. isn't necessarily that Jim Kirk ever would have seen. He's dead by then. Yeah. But this is something that Guinan might have. For Scotty. <laughs> right. But this is something that Guinan might have below the bar. Right. By the way, I, I don't want either my reaction or Ken's reaction to indicate that we think that that's a bad product. <laughs> it, it oh, no. It's a very good product. We just got too familiar with it. That's, I, I spent, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. what I remember, I spent part of the night like really familiarizing myself with JTK. And yeah. yes, we, we got to a point where we were calling it by the shortened name because who had time to say as much as that. But Aaron, save this for a Patreon video. I think that would be, we'll just recount the whole thing. And yeah, that'll just be a Patreon. I can't recount the whole thing. I can tell, I can tell the story up to the part that we got to, to the point. underground bar. And then after that, it's like, it's really terrible. Aaron, wait, wait, Aaron, thank you very much for calling in. We do appreciate right. it. Thank you very thank much. You, Aaron. Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a, have a good Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving man. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, sorry. Well, no, I was going to say really quickly, I just want to remind people about something. Normally, this is the part where we would say that uh, Priority One's coming up later, but they're not. So uh, do us a favor. Go to uh, podcast.roddenberry.com because we've got a bunch of podcasts there. John mentioned them earlier, but I'll mention them again because this is the time of the show when we do that. Oh, there's a, there's a, there is, of course, Priority One, which will have a show. I believe they'll have a show this week. They're just not doing a live show today. Uh, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, Mission Log, and, of course, Mission Log Live. And there will be other things there at some point. So uh, do people still set websites as a favorite in their browser, John? Sure. 
Okay. Well, then yeah. they should set uh, they should send uh, podcast.roddenberry.com as a uh, as a favorite in their browser. Now, here's the thing, John Cooley. I know you have something else you want to say, but I also know that you watch the show. Are you going to forfeit your chance at the lightning round? Do you want to go ahead and continue chatting? Or do you Ooh, it's so it's it's tempting. Like there's the <laughs> lightning round, but then I I feel like. Uh, maybe we do the lightning round the next time I show up. I mean, I'm being really presumptuous <laughs> that I can come back. Well, just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. thought out. You just nail that last thought. And we'll no, I was just going to say that, the, again, it's the real world thing that I love. It's just yeah. anywhere where we can intersect Star Trek and feel like we're part of it. That's, yeah. what, that's what's exciting about right now. There's so much Star Trek happening. There's so much Star Trek that's coming down the pipe. Ken, the fans are demanding it. The listeners are, they're, they're sending little memes, little, little emoji of lightning. Uh, uh, Debbie, <laughs> Chris, Jonathan, uh, Carlos, they're, they're all saying, Jonathan is saying that sound, thunder. So yeah. <laughs> let's go for it. Let's do it. All right, all here right. we go. John, favorite Star Trek movie? Oh, Star Trek, the motion picture. Well said. Who's your engineer? Scotty. Okay. Aishaya, Porthos, or Spot? Uh, Spot. Really? Yeah. Really, John? That's fine. Uh, Starbase, this is a stupid question. We should actually burn it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Starbase or Starship? Starship. Yeah, duh, right? Uh, at least he got that one right after the last one. Uh, favorite Starship, uh, sorry, favorite Star Trek bad guy. Ooh, you know, Khan, I, I can't, I can't help it. There's, there is a line from him that is stuck in my head all the time. And it's just so, it tells you everything you need to know about the guy instantly. And that's when uh, he's introducing himself to Marla MacGyvers. And he's like, my name is Khan, please sit and entertain me. That is just, that is everything you need to know about that guy right there. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding, man. Right. All right. Uh, Domjot or Dabo? Domjot. And finally, have you ever been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? I haven't. I wish yeah. I had. We need to, everybody who says no, we just need to basically sign them up and be like, right, we're running a bus. They're all going to go up there and we're going to do a that. Bus. This, we're going to have to rent an Airbus A380 to get everybody in our convention. How close, how close is it tour. to Ticonderoga? Don't you think, though, that if they had room for an airplane, more people would have been to Vulcan? <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure that there's a nearby-ish airport, but we might have to multiple buses to get us all from that nearby-ish airport. Because we're, we're just we keep adding to the list of people who haven't been who are going to be part of this mission log, a palooza at, uh, at Vulcan, Alberta, Canada. Multiple buses would not be the worst idea, but maybe we should think about it. We, we, well, yeah, let's just plan everything here live for everybody. Look, if, we plan yes. it right, if we plan it right, it's going to be during Canadian Thanksgiving. So we've already gotten a lot of invitations to that. I'm glad to say. Yeah, here's the problem with doing that, though, as, as we were also told, the reason is because it's late in the year. You don't want to take buses full of people at any time that it might just snow or ice or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, which was yeah. that part of that. Aren't you lucky, John? You got to join us on a show where we're working out logistics, something that may never happen. I love I love it. I love logistics. And I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, you know, is always been one of my favorites. It marks the start of the whole holiday season, really. More so than than even Halloween. I just I just love it. Of, of course, you know, I'm bracing uh for Friday. Black Friday's coming and I'm going to uh I'm actually have plans to brave it uh, instead of staying home and doing the smart thing and just uh doing it online. Um, you know, uh, I can't get out of it. But, hey, and look, not, not to sound too crassly commercial, if people are doing some online shopping on Black Friday, I know that there are some specials at Anovos.com. There you go. You didn't have to pay for that one. So. <laughs> Indeed, we've got. In fact, actually, uh, you know, all of our Black Friday uh, sales, they've already begun. Nice. So, nice. Perfect. So people can go check that out after the show or, or on Friday if they just want to wait and pretend like it's a special Why wait? for Friday only. <laughs> com is the uh, is the website. And John Cooley, it's just been fantastic to have you with us. And, uh, you know, you've already invited yourself back on. So <laughs> maybe we'll see you again. Sometime. Oh, please. No, this it's a pleasure blast. to have you. Yeah, well, 
It was for us, too. Well, I, I can't speak for John, but it was for me, too. Yeah, so. and it reigns to be seen. Thanks, John. Until next time, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by Infinity Network's producer, Brandon Bradley. Be sure to check out the Mission Log shop. Just go over to missionlogpodcast.com. Click on that shop button in the upper right-hand corner. Our classic and new designs are there. Trek-ish gear for you. Just hit the shop at missionlogpodcast.com. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including Mission Log, Women at War, Priority One, and The Trek Files. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.